Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 well good evening and welcome to contending for the faith we are the cutting-edge christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church for the next hour with your host bay area pastor lecturer counselor and expert on the cults dr jerry l buckner my name is jim clark well we have been doing a series on peace in the battlefield but tonight we will take a pause We're going to bring you a special message on Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, most pastors and Bible teachers give sermons on some of the best godly mothers in the Bible. But have you ever heard of a sermon or a message on some of the worst mothers in the Bible? And what we we could have learned from these mothers? Well, stay tuned and hear about this and much, much more, for we are not pretending, but contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you doing tonight? Brother Jim, I'm truly blessed, and uh, <clears throat> thank you so much for that uh, introduction, and thank you for being here tonight in Gary's stead, and you always do a good job in the Lord, so we oh, appreciate thank you. you. Very much. Um, and we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know you're going to be blessed by our program tonight. What a title, a different title, Trivia Questions regarding the worst mothers in the Bible. Trivia questions regarding the worst mothers in the Bible. Most of the time when we hear sermons uh, related to Mother's Day, it's always uh, the uh, godly mothers uh, for Mother's Day. But I want to reverse this and come at it from a different perspective and hopefully In the midst of you learning about these worst mothers, uh, you will um, gain some insight to not be like them. That's the issue that I'm trying to convey here, uh, that we can learn some biblical lessons. You know, the Bible, by way of introduction, the Bible reveals the human nature of man uh, at its worst and also the human nature of man at its best. The Bible is a book that is related to uh, the divine and the human. And so the Bible pulls no punches regarding our depraved, wicked uh, nature, and it will bring out the good, bad, and the ugly. So let's deal with, uh, in the body of this message, uh, five worst mothers in the Bible. Five trivia questions regarding the worst mothers in the Bible. Now, you can find a lot of uh, mothers in the Bible that did really bad things. But let me just key on five of the worst mothers in the Bible. The first uh, trivia question is, who was the first worst mother in the Bible? And I want to say, number one, it was Mother Eve. You say Mother Eve, yes, Mother Eve really messed up. She was deceived by the devil in the Garden of Eden. By her one wrong choice, 
she affected every other mother after her. We find in Genesis 3 and 16, God said unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, when God says this, uh, this is a constant reminder that uh, the woman gave birth to sin in the uh, human uh, perspective, and as a result, she not only is suffering, but the children. And when it says that, that, you know, the husband, you know, her desire shall be to the husband and he shall rule over thee, this is a a point that's emphasizing the struggle in their own relationships of the woman desiring her will to rule over uh, the man. Uh, But uh, if they're doing it the way God says, according to Ephesians 5, uh, you know, the man will be under headship and uh, they'll realize both to be in submission to each other because Ephesians chapter 5 talks about the man and the woman being in submission, but God has put the man in a leadership role. But that rebellion, the rebellion of a woman to a man uh, is, and a man to a woman is the result of sin. So the first trivia question is, who was the first uh, worst mother in the Bible? When she uh, gave in to the devil, that was one of the worst things that she could have ever done. (laughs) And she affected all the other mothers and the human race as a whole. Number two, what is the second trivia question? Who was the second worst mother in the Bible? Well, in uh, 2 Kings 6, you want to write these verses down. In 2 Kings 6, verses 24 through 33, we learn about the cannibalistic mother, cannibalistic mother during the seas of Jerusalem. She literally cooked and boiled her her own uh, child and ate him and ate that child. Uh, This is one of the worst things that a mother could ever do, is not only to cook her child and to boil that child, but to eat that child. Cannibalism was a practice in the uh, Bible days, and it's also a practice today in our society, not only Jeffrey Dahmer, but we find that, uh, you know, he was killing a lot of men. He was a homosexual, Jeffrey Dahmer, and he really was attracted to black men. Uh, get them in clubs and put things in their drinks and take them to his place and kill them and put the sup in their drinks and kill them and then uh, chop them up, put them in the refrigerator and eat them. But we have people in our society today, not only uh, outside America, but also in America that are doing the same things today. Sad state that we're in today when somebody kills Uh, somebody or kill their own children and then eat them. Number three, the third trivia question, uh, who's the third worst mother in the Bible? Well, we learn in 1 Kings 3, 1 Kings 3, verses 16 through 27. I'm not going to read all of that. 1 Kings 3, verses 16 through 27. You can do the homework on this. We learn about a murderous prostitute mother murderous prostitute mother. She accidentally smothered her own child 
and then was willing to have her friend's child killed too. The same thing is happening today in our world today with this demonic world of abortion and the demonic world of people killing their own children. Let me kind of give you an example. One woman in 2015 pleaded guilty to strangling six of her own babies right after giving birth to them. From 1996 to 2006 in Utah, she put their bodies into plastic bags, placed them in boxes, and stored them in the garage where her husband found them in 2014. She thought if they lived, she would have given them a terrible life. And then another mother stabbed her three-year-old daughter and one-year-old son to death because she thought they were possessed by demons. She was found to suffer from paranoid schizophrenia and was found guilty by insanity. Oh, we're living in a troubled world today. And isn't it interesting today when you look at how many uh, kids and babies are being destroyed by abortion? The whole practice of Moloch in the Old Testament is still practiced today, where they were throwing the children in the fire back in biblical days and and uh, just destroying children. We see this happening today. And isn't it interesting when we heard about the uh, situation with uh, Scott Peterson and uh, when he killed his wife, Lacey Peterson, and then their unborn child. The world went in hysteric. He, they went crazy over this, saying, how in the world could a man, you know, kill his wife and then his unborn child? And yet the world is so schizophrenic that they will say abortion is okay but yet, it was not okay for Scott Peterson to kill his wife, an unborn child. That's how insane the world is today. It's in bad shape. And behind all of these murders is Satan. Because in John 8 and 44, Jesus said he's a murderer. He's a murderer. And that's what he's doing today with babies. He's been doing this all the way back to the time of uh of Moses when they were trying to kill all the young uh, boys two years and under. And then when it came to Jesus, genocide, trying to kill all the, they killed all the young boys two years and under trying to get to Jesus. Another genocide taking place. And it's happening all over the world today. We have to pray for our world and our children. And I want to remind you of something very important. When you hurt children, Jesus said in, uh, you know, the Bible, in Matthew 18, I believe, if you offend one of these little ones, and it's better off that a millstone was hung about your neck and you were cast into the midst of the sea. Now, so that's important for us to understand in light of all of this. Let me say the fourth trivia question. The fourth trivia question. In 2 Kings 9, verses 4 through 10, 2 Kings 9, verses 4 through 10, we learn about one of the worst women, Jezebel, and worst mothers in the entire Bible. She not only corrupted her husband, Ahab, but she corrupted the nation in her day. And she caused the destruction of her entire family, 
literally the destruction of her entire family and the nation, and she was so demonically influenced by the devil as a woman that she even had Elijah, who was able to deal with three, 300 prophets of Baal and conquered them, but he could not conquer one woman who literally had him go under a tree and cry like a little baby. <laughs> it's amazing what the devil can do through a woman who's not controlled by God. Women need to be controlled by God because Satan can reap havoc in you. He did it in the Garden of Eden to get to Adam. And he's been getting to men and women throughout the century. Number five, the fifth and final trivia question regarding the worst women or mothers in the Bible is the last one is Lot's wife, Mother Lot, Mrs. Lot. We find in Genesis 19 and 26, the Bible says, but his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. In Genesis 19, write this down, Genesis 19, 31 through 36, this immoral corruption and philosophy of Sodom and Gomorrah had so badly corrupted the thinking of Lot's wife and the thinking of Lot's daughters that they, with, uh, without question, plan to be impregnated by their own father. The daughters were virgins. We see this in Genesis 19 and verse 8. In the fearing they would have no children, they labored this gross immoral uh, iniquity in their minds and in their hearts. Jesus dovetails off of this in Luke 17 and 32. Jesus reminded us and warned us to the people, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife was destroyed because she looked back because of the addiction and attraction and attachment to Sodom. Oh, when you attach to the world, you're going to fall hard. When you attach to addiction, you will fall hard. When you attach to things that's not of God, you'll fall hard. Let me say this in conclusion. The Bible reveals that, you know, we see the best of man and the worst of man. There is so much bad in the best of us, and so much good in the worst of us that it behooves none of us to talk about the rest of us. My challenge to the mothers, moms, and women, look at these worst women in the Bible and never do what they did. Never follow in their steps. Follow always the plan of God. Lean not to your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Look at women like uh, in the Bible, Hannah and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Timothy's mother and, and grandmother. Look at women like this and follow them as role models. Anything less than our best is a sin, and we need to do our best in following these great women of the Bible and great women of history. He that hasn't ear, let him hear what the Spirit says regarding the five worst women and mothers in the Bible. Brother Jim. Oh, Dr. Buckner, that's a good word, but you know what? Tomorrow is Mother's Day, and we want to honor our mothers, but I guarantee you, your mom wasn't that bad. (laughs) No way. So let's honor our mothers tomorrow. We'll we get back to you after this break, and we'd like to hear from you. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith. My name is Jim Clark, and I'm in the studio with Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we are discussing the worst mothers in the Bible. Before we get back to that, 
Uh, we want to thank everyone who has been diligently praying for Contending for the Faith. Without your prayers, we would never have been on the air for so many years. We'd also like to thank those who gave this week, Jackie, Joshua, Bridget, Sandra, Richard, and Carol, and William. It cost us $400 a week to stay on the air, so we need your help. We can't do this without your prayers and financial support. Won't you partner with us financially? Some people donate money from their uh, from their tax refunds. Others receive blessings and donate some of the blessings they have received. Still others include radio ministries in their wills. There are two ways to donate. You can send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Or you can simply go onto your computer to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. And click the Donate button. That's the easy way. We will be out of the studio for the next two Saturdays, and we'll be returning on June 1st. And during this time, we will be airing the best of Contending for the Faith. So that should be uh, pretty interesting as well, Dr. Buckner. Amen. That's exactly true. And uh, we know that uh, this is one of the most busiest times for us uh, in terms of uh, vacations and activities. And Brother Gary is going to uh, a cruise in Alaska, so and we want to pray for him. Uh, he's going to be gone for two weeks. And Brother Jim, I think you have some things going on That's as well. Right, yeah, we're going to uh, be out for a couple. Uh, well, a week, anyways. Uh, coming up here in the next. Actually, it's next week. Yes, yes. So, so there's a lot of things going on, but we will, uh, like you said, play the best of contending for the faith, and we're looking forward to everybody hearing those things and being reminded of that good word of God. Yes, indeed. And you know, it's a. It's uh, it's always great to get uh, messages from our from our listeners as well. And you got a message here from Sandy that just simply said, "Dr. Buckner, thank you for giving us meat to chew on and not milk." And I uh, suggested to you, "Isn't that nice that you're the butcher now?" <laughs> <laughs> That's right, in the Lord, Amen. That's right, He's delivering the, the meat, ladies and gentlemen. Amen, Amen, Amen to that. Well, let's get to our uh, callers. Let's do that. Let's go to Jermaine. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, I think you want to go to Sally first. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to go to Sally. That was has uh, been a change. Oh, wait a minute. Hello. Wait, wait. Oh, there I am. Oh, do you, are you there? I was on the. I was over by the radio, which I was turning off. All right. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm old, Doc. Well, you know what? Join the club. Hey, but your spirit is being renewed in the Lord every day. So we, even though the body is changing and getting older, your spirit is being renewed in the Lord. And happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you. Mother of three, grandmother of six. Well, congratulations on both of those. And of 65 years. Wow. God has taught us a lot of patience. That's the only way we can get through this. Amen. <laughs> and what's on your heart tonight? What did you call for? You have, well, uh, uh, we were walking in the park, and um, I was complimenting a lady on her little puppy, and we were chatting, like I very often do, and my husband never understands how I get into these things, but it's fun. And um, she mentioned that she was dabbling in Buddhism. And so off the top of my head, the only thing I could suggest was that she read my favorite psalm as 139. Now, is there anything that would be particularly helpful to a a, a person interested in Buddhism in Psalm 139? Uh, yeah, so, so you want to get some uh, some practical in, uh, information on how to witness to a Buddhist? Is that what you're asking? Well, yeah, 
Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, was, what, was there anything that would, would, well, I know there was something that would help her to think that God is rather than that Yeah, um, you know, there's a, uh, my mentor, Dr. Walter Martin, uh, he did uh, a book called The Kingdom of the Cults. Right. I know and, that. And uh, I would recommend that, uh, you know, you give that to her because he not only talks about their history, but their beliefs and uh, even gets into uh, them even denying that there's even a God that exists. Because in Buddhism, they don't even believe that a God exists. And well, that's then, what I hung my hat on. Yeah, and then that, also, that too, and then also, too, the whole principle of reincarnation and uh, emphasizing, you know, the spiritual realm over the physical. So uh, the Kingdom of the Cults book would be a good start because he deals with the history of them, their beliefs, and how to witness. So I would I would uh, give uh, get that book and give it uh, to uh, her. And uh, well, I may t- never see her again. I hope oh, okay. I've seen her in my life. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that would be a good book for you just to give you good... Uh, well, I've, I've, I've had it. I've, I've read it. I've gotten it out of the library and read it. I don't have my personal copy, but... Okay. Yeah, well, it would be good to have a personal copy so you can always go back to it, and it's a, it'll be a good resource for you under these circumstances. But did she give you her name? Oh, no. Okay. I didn't even know her puppy's name. <laughs> oh okay. So, now, would, so would, what would you what would you first go, uh, take a Buddhist to? Well, what I would do what I would do when I'm dealing with a Buddhist, I would uh, simply emphasize the importance of uh, you know the. I would share my testimony first on how I came to know the Lord. Yeah, you well, know, that's you kind know of what that is for me. Yeah, yeah, because that is one of the greatest testimonies that you can give is how you came to know the Lord. And then uh, I would uh, ask the question about uh, what does Jesus mean to you? I mean, I would say to, you know, because they say they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible, you know. Uh, so I would how just... How can they? How, how can they? Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I would simply bring out, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? And when they start talking about it, they're not going to talk about the Jesus of the Bible. And then that'll give you an opportunity to really... Uh, plant the seed about who Jesus really is. You know, that's very something important. And also you can uh, emphasize the importance of a personal God because they don't believe in a personal God. And say, ask, ask the question, what do you believe also about God? So they don't believe in a personal God, but you can say the Bible teaches in a personal God, and uh, you can demonstrate that from Exodus 3 and 14, I am that I am, and throughout, Jesus uses the I. He's a personal God, and he's personally involved with us to save us. Jim, you want to add to that as well? Yeah, I, I would say that, uh, as Dr. Buckner mentioned, uh, the Buddhists, they don't believe that there is a God. Uh, well, I you know, that. Yeah. And so, so, therefore, people that don't believe that there's a God are fools, and the Bible says that. The, the that, reason the, that is grim, that, there are, that they are out of their minds. That yes, really is a- but but it's a, it's such an easy argument to make with them. First of all, the implications of there is no God are rather stark. First one is that if there is no God, then where did the creation come from? Why is there something rather than nothing at all? And that's a question that they cannot answer. They, they cannot give you a, any kind of coherent response to that question. The second one is that... Uh, um, they to to sort of make sure they understand that they without God there is no justice. 
that the the evils that they see going on in the world go unpunished. Now, I know that they, at least some of them anyways, believe in reincarnation and so on. But that's an oxymoron also because if they believe in reincarnation, they must believe that there is something driving that. That there must – who is the one doling out these the reincarnation? And at what point does it, uh, does it go – does it terminate? And, in, and, and what are the rules and who established those rules? So without any answers to that, they're basically saying there's a God but at the same time saying there isn't one. And mm-hmm. that's, that's absurd on its face. Unrealistic. Yes, it is. So, so they're, they're – basically they are – they're doing exactly what in Romans 1 it talks about. And it's, you know, in Romans run, uh, verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And that's what, that's what they're doing. For well, what can be known? They probably don't think they're unrighteous. No, they don't. And they need to understand that they are unrighteous, yeah. that they are all guilty of sin before God. They have broken the Ten Commandments, probably all of them, probably all of them. And they oh, say, well, I haven't murdered anybody. But Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder in your heart. If you lust after, after someone, you are guilty of adultery. Mm-hmm. So, so we are all guilty before God. They need to understand that they are guilty before God. And that's the reason why they will be condemned. Well, the best I could do was to pray for her last week uh, because uh, you know, only the Holy Spirit can get their attention and to get them to even have. I didn't even know if she had a Bible, but uh, I was talking to a friend today that has a lot of health problems, and she said, she says, the most wonderful gift that God gave me was the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And she said, to study the Bible is what's keeping me going. And she said, it makes all the difference in the world. So I just trust that everyone would spend time in their in their Bible and and of course the the most wonderful mother, the youngest mother, I Dr. Budner could do that sometime. The youngest mother probably was Mary. Mm-hmm. I don't think she was fourteen. I think she was sixteen. But her her Luke one fifty one, for her to have that kind of understanding because she knew the Lord Jesus was amazing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the thing is, is that uh, we got to get to some more callers, but the point is this, that share your testimony how you came to know the Lord, and that, you know, that's what the blind man did in John 9. He said, I was blind, but now I see. And he gave evidence that he had a changed life. And then the other thing is, you know, that you have a foundation. You know, your faith is founded upon fact. Your faith is founded upon the first F, Faith, and then second F, fact. They don't have any, they say they have faith, but there's no facts behind it. So you want to just say, you know, believing that there is no God, uh, we have evidence that there is a God, and we can base that upon a lot of different evidences from even the uh, the acronym MAPS, you know, manuscript, archaeology, prophecy, statistical probability, but they have nothing to stand on. So you share your testimony, and then you pray for them that God will open up their eyes and ears, but you need to have be equipped so that you can deal with their arguments too. But Thank you for calling and uh, sharing that, and hopefully we said something to encourage you. Well, and I think everybody needs to to realize that that we can we can talk to people and 
maybe cheer them up a little bit so and pray. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Buckner. <laughs> yeah, they try to avoid everything that has to do with suffering and uh, in Buddhist world. But, you know, we realize that suffering is uh, part of life, and Jesus on the cross did the greatest suffering, but he took the suffering that we experienced and brought it into a resurrection of triumph. Dr. Swindoll had a few things to say about that. And oh, yeah, and that's the thing that they try to avoid in every way they can. Yeah. But thank you so much for your call, and God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. All right, who do wow. we have next? That was a great call. It um, was. So I guess we move on to Jermaine. Jermaine, are you there? Hey, hello, I'm here. How you doing, Brother Jermaine? Oh, I'm doing very well. Oh, good. Thank you for uh, calling back again. And uh, we talked about the, the subject matter of uh, after-death experience and so-called, so-called things. And mm-hmm. so we want to kind of like pick up with that. And what else is on your heart around that? Well, just, uh, you know, coincidentally, I actually finished the Kingdom of the Cults book. Oh, good. Just last week. And, uh, yeah, that was a deep one. I had to go back through it. <laughs> it's it's uh, definitely a book every Christian should own. But a lot of the, a lot of what we talked about was covered in the latter chapters as far as the New Age and people with these seeking these spiritual adventures. And I, um, my question is, I run into a lot of believers who kind of believe this. I've even had family members tell me now they've had such and such a vision of such and such and how they saw them and, and uh, made them feel well. But I just, I still don't believe just about every story I hear. I have no doubt that there's something out there, but I'm just wondering, are some of these people actually experiencing some kind of demonic delusion or are they misinterpreting their feelings for, for what they say they experience? I don't know how to explain the other experiences where people are describing things they they shouldn't have been able to describe, but I guess you can kind of say that could potentially be demonic as well. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that to finish it out. Yeah, well, that's very true. I, I think the thing is, is that the Apostle Paul says to test all things, hold fast to that which is good. So I think it's a number of things, Jermaine. I think it's sensationalism. I think it's experientialism. I think the feelings are controlling faith. And um, so when we look at Scripture— See, we always have to test sensationalism, experientialism, and uh, feelings and emotions, uh, and even so-called clinical death versus biological. I believe that people experience clinical where they have some damage done to the brain, but there's no such thing as biological where you leave your body and go somewhere and come back. How do we know that? Because the Apostle Paul tells us that, you know, he went to— he had a vision and went to the third heaven and saw things that was unlawful for any man to to see. And he says in Second Corinthians 12 and 4, uh, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So if he could not come back, the Apostle Paul, and utter what he had experienced in paradise, how much more are we able to do that today? So we test the experiences, sensationalism, and um, also uh, the emotionalism to Scripture. And we test it to first to uh, uh, Luke 16, where the rich man, the poor man died, and then the poor, the rich man desired for some of his relatives to go back, but he couldn't do that. They said they have uh, Moses and the prophets. So the test of this is to test everything to the Scripture, and we find that every 
one of these experiences that people say that they have, it falls short of what I'm saying. So when you mention the word demonic, well, it tells us in second, it tells us in Corinthians that uh, that Satan can appear as an angel of light. So if he can appear as an angel of light, and people are seeing these light experiences in a tunnel and all of that, he can transform himself into an angel of light to deceive people. So I believe a lot of it, most of it, is deception and brain damage and emotionalism and sensationalism. That's what I have to come to the conclusion uh, based upon the Scripture. So hopefully that helps you out. Yeah, that, that uh, helps me. I, I think uh, I would agree with just about everything you said. And There's some things I'm just not going to be able to explain. However, I, I do think the Scripture speaks for itself, so I'm just going to adhere to that. Yeah, you rest in the Word of God and... Uh, you know, uh, you know, David said, "Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you." So, anyway, glad to help out. That's a great question you have, and thank you for always your good questions. God bless you. We're getting ready to go to commercial break, but uh, when we come back, we'll address the other questions that people have, Brother Jim. Amen. So, if you have a um, a story you want to tell about your mother, um, please give us a call. We'd like to hear from you, and we'll get back to you after this break. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith. My name is Jim Clark in the studio with Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we're taking your calls. Right now, we would like to go on to the next call, Dr. Buckner. Uh, so how about we go to Rick? Brother Rick, how are you doing there? I am truly blessed, and i uh, got a very interesting question tonight. I was very blessed by the teaching. Oh, good, good. What's on your heart tonight? What's that? What's, what's your question, and what's on your heart tonight? Okay. The question I'm going to ask is, who killed Jesus Christ? Man, that's a we good... We have so many debates on it and arguments. Yeah. I'd like to get your perspective. Yeah, that's a good question, because there's a lot of debate around <clears throat> who actually uh, was responsible for killing Jesus. And uh, when we look at all of the debates today, uh, some people say the Romans were responsible because they say that uh, the Jews could not uh, go forth with the crucifixion unless they got permission from the Romans. So they say the Romans did. Then they said because the Jews were also part of it, that they were involved with it. But I want to go like a a step further than that. I want to go deeper than that. Uh, When when we look at the Word of God, we find that in um, Isaiah 53 and verse 4, Isaiah 53 and verse 4, because I want to demonstrate the validity and historicity and authenticity of Scripture, um, that in Isaiah 53 and verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. So what is telling us here in Isaiah 53 and verse 4 that this Hebrew word here, smitten, was literally means in Hebrew, murdered, literally murdered by God. He was literally struck down by God. So that's why Jesus said, no man taketh my life. I lay it down on myself, and I have the power to take it up again. So all of this was orchestrated by the plan of God. I believe that in heaven, the Trinity got together and literally discussed which one of them would literally come down and allow the Father to literally uh, allow them to be killed on the cross. And they are saying, and and Jesus 
came forth and said, I will be the one to do it. And he came down and he did it, you know. And then he even said he got 12 legions of angels to come to his rescue. No, he didn't allow that. So God was the main one behind this for our sins. But we also have to say this, that people were behind it too, that God allowed them as a catalyst uh, to allow it to happen. So through his permissive will, because man can't do anything unless he gets God's permission. That's why Pontius Pilate said, Jesus, do you realize what I can do? And Jesus said, you wouldn't be able to do anything unless God gave you the power. So God gave the people the power to literally take Jesus out. But it was always in the plan of God to allow, to smitten his own son. Now, um, so when we look at this on a holistic level, so the Roman sins demanded that he would die on the cross. The Jews' sins demanded that Jesus would die on the cross. And even we are responsible for his death, too, because our sins demanded that he would go to the cross, too. So you got all of this mixed together by God through his permissive will, ordaining it to happen so that Jesus could go to the cross but come back alive to give us eternal life. So hopefully that helps you out in a nutshell. Amen. Amen. So did you get the scripture there, Isaiah? 53.4. That's it. Look that over. And it talks about he was smitten of God. How many people bring that out when we talk about this subject? Smitten by God, literally murdered by God. And yet we were, we were the catalyst behind it because of our He did it because of our sins. Because of our sins. But tell us quickly before we get to the next caller, uh, how important is your mom to you? We didn't get a chance to ask some of the other callers, but how important is your mom to you? This mother, this my mother's like very important in my, in my life. She uh, gave, she gave me she gave me birth. She gave me life. She took care of my health. Uh, and uh, there's so many things that I can thank her for. I can I can say so many things to thank her for, even though I knew she was not perfect. Mm-hmm. But she she was my mom. Amen. So all we got to do now is pray for her. For God to uh, uh, salvation. Yes, it pray for her salvation that she'll come to know the Lord, and that'll be the uh, you know everything yeah, the icing pray, on the I cake. That her heart uh, gets touched and that her eyes are opened. That's it, and we're gonna do that as well. All right, Rick. Thank you so much for your call. God bless. God bless you. All right, uh, let's let's go to CC next. CC, okay. are you there? Yes, yes, I am. How you doing? Oh, we are truly blessed. How about yourself? I'm blessed. Good word. What a good program. Oh, good. Did you get a lot out of the word tonight? Oh yeah, yeah, a lot. A different uh, approach here. What did you What did you get out of this? Just in a nutshell. In a nutshell, um, I like the last when you closed out with Jezebel. You said how her um, how her sin and the destruction it destructed her family and it affected the children as well and. I think that's children it play a very important part that children should uh be taught the gospel as it says to train up in a child um you know train a child up in the way he should go mm-hmm. is very important because the wisdom of both parents determines how that child is going to turn out in terms of them teaching them the gospel there's a loss of equity in a relationship 
when the children aren't being taught by the parents and they're learning from the internet, they're learning from the meat, social media, they're learning from all of these things. And as the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So the children's minds have to be filtered out. They have to be taught the gospel. They have to be taught who Christ is. They have to learn about um, his substitutionary atoning work of him becoming a propitiation for our sins and where they, where, where we stand as people and what God requires of us, and a lot of our kids aren't taught that. They're taught, they're, you know, they're taught a lot of other things, and they, their parents don't teach them, and they learn so much from, you know, just social media, different rappers, and is really, I think it's very important, you know, because those children won't always be children. They'll grow up one day, and they'll be adults, and it really plays an important part. And not saying that every child is taught the gospel is going to go the right way, but but you can't go wrong if God. That's what God. That's what God commanded in the Old Testament. You know, mm-hmm. so it's very important that our children are taught the gospel. You know, by our parents, and that they're you know taught right from wrong. And that's a lot of things that's not being taught by our children. And there's a loss of equity in the, in the relationships because of that. A lot of children's lives are destroyed, and they're on drugs, alcohol. They're engaging in sexual conjugation and all these things. They think it's okay. Mm-hmm. So well said. Appreciate that feedback. And uh, what's what's on your heart uh, tonight? Do you have a question, too? Yeah, I want to ask you in Romans chapter 4. Okay, and what's your verse? Is uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 1. All righty. You have your uh, Bible there as well? Yes, I do. Uh, why don't you read it to us? It says, What shall we say then, Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, have found? Right. You know, this is a real tremendous verse of Scripture, because when you when you talk about uh, verse 1, you have to also include the whole chapter, but especially verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had uh, whereof to glory, but not before God. So, when he talks about the flesh, uh, what Paul is uh, saying is that uh, there's two ways to look at Abraham. Uh, was he justified by the flesh, which is works, or was he justified by faith, which is justification? So Paul's argument uh, throughout the book of Romans is justification by faith and justification by faith alone. You can't add that to uh, works. You know, when you talk about the Roman Catholic Church, they say that you are justified by uh, faith, and then they add works to it. And then when you think about cults in the world today, cults always want to include uh, works. They include works. That's why they go out and Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses go out and witness, uh, you know, from morning till night, uh, because they believe that works is a means of salvation. And so, uh, what uh, Paul is saying here, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father? Now, he's trying to argue that you better make sure that you know that you have the right uh, Abraham. Because the Abraham that he's trying to convey to them is the Abraham of faith. Because they're thinking that he's the Abraham of works. That's why Jesus in John uh, 8 had to rebuke the Pharisees and the religious leaders because they said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus got so personal with them, and and he rebuked them and said, your father is Satan. You know, your father is the devil. You know, and the lust of him you will do. So, uh, you know, because he realized that they were 
trying to come at salvation from the perspective of works and rituals and tradition. And that's why Jesus said, your tradition has made the word of God to no effect. So what uh, Paul is simply saying here, our father Abraham, he's the forerunner uh, of uh, faith, and that, uh, you know, when you get to Genesis, it says, through Abraham's seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So that means that all of us who believe in the God of Abraham through faith, we are true spiritual Jews. You're not a true Jew. I'm going to make this clear to everybody that's listening to me now. You're not a true Jew because of ethnicity or spiritual Jew because of ethnicity or nationality. You are a true spiritual Jew by faith in the God of Abraham, and that's what makes you a true Jew. We have a couple more callers, but let's get a quick response uh, from you uh, on um, how important your mother is to you, and then we're going to get to some more callers. But what does your mother mean to you? My mother means a lot to me. Um, It's so much. I can't say it all, but my mother means so much to me. She sacrificed so much and went without when I was when I was a uh, child. Um, she she really just showed me a lot of love. And then as a little kid, she always she would sit down with me and have Bible study, and that really made an effect on me as a kid. Because what I would do is I would go out with other little kids and I would share the gospel and I would go out and feed the homeless. And this called this was a consequence of my mother, you know, doing it, you know, laying down the gospel and showing love and always sacrificing and going without. So, you know, my hat is off to my mother. I could never repay her back for everything she's done for me, and I'm and I'm grateful to have her. Oh, praise God. Well, thank you so much for those uh, cherishable words about your mother, and we trust that you got help by the, uh, the response to your question. Uh, yeah. And yeah. amen. All right, well, we look forward to when we come back to uh, uh, talking with you again, and God bless and Tell your mother I said Happy Mother's Day. Okay, thank you. Keep me in prayer, too, if you can, you and your wife. If you can pray, pray for me tonight, I appreciate it. We sure will do that. God thank bless you. you. God bless you. Well, Brother Jim, let's go to our next caller. All right. I would like to go to Sophia. Sophia, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing this evening? Well, you know, I'm very—this was such a fabulous show. I don't even want to talk right now. Of course I want to talk, but we have, you know, I'm so happy to listen. This was a very, very important show, and I'm going to maybe reserve what I was going to talk about till next week because it is, is very important to me. But there were so many things, and I think it was Cece. I mean, you, you're always right. You said some things that are really important, uh, not only to my husband, but to me, but about being a Jew. We have to remember that, what makes us a true Jew. And that's very, very significant. I also like you reminded us that the sin... You know, people are so quick to say the Romans killed the uh, Jesus. This killed the Jews. No, we all did. We're all sinners. We're all responsible um, for his death, and um, just by our evil nature. But but I wanted to quickly throw out the subject, and then um, maybe next week we can talk about it because I was telling the gentleman on the phone, who's very smart, by the way, and so uh, where I I have a big dilemma because. Uh, is not even being able to not witness the people. I work for a big tech company. I won't say the name. A lot of young people there. And 
you don't even get to the point of religion, because as soon as I say, I believe in Jesus, or uh, the Bible, or however you want to phrase it, uh, they say, oh, uh, you're you voted for Trump, you're a fascist, you're a Nazi, you're a white supremacist. Well, you know what? Let me say this, uh, because we only have about half a minute. I'm going to pick up this next time we come in. Uh, But let me just say this. Stick to your convictions, stick to your beliefs, and don't waste your time with irrational, illogical people, because Jesus said, just dust the dirt off your feet as a testimony, and don't throw your pearls among swine. But let's pick this up next time. All right. Well, we've come to the end of another exciting broadcast, and we would like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being a part of tonight's program. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith.